Hello, I'm Simon. And I'm Dan. And this is The Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article and we talk about what we find. Dan, what are we talking about this week? This week, Simon, we are talking about Keisha Club. Keish Club? Keisha Club. How do you spell that? K-I-S-H-A. Okay, right. Um, what What is Keisha Club, Dan? A, a Keisha Club, uh, or to give it its Japanese, Keisha Kurabu, uh, or Reporters Club from the Japanese, Japanese word Keisha, meaning reporter, is a Japanese news-gathering association of reporters from specific news organisations whose reporting centres on a press room set, set up by sources such as the Prime Minister's official residence, government ministries, local authorities, the police or corporate bodies. In English, it's also called a press club. Ah, so uh, we had Nyotai Mori last week. We did. Um, we did with the wonderful Jeff Gord. Yeah, and and that episode, uh, I don't know if you saw this, was flagged by YouTube for being too hot for YouTube, Dan. Yeah, and rightly so. We got it wasn't a strike. It was like a it was like a one time warning from YouTube that was like if you upload any content this arousing to to YouTube again, you'll get a naughty man slap on the wrist, uh, start a strike against the channel. Good lord. So, yeah. And what was interesting was, I thought that it was because I used the word nipple in the description. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that might have been part of it. But also, the act- it was the fact that we linked... I think it might have been the actual link to Jeff Gord. Oh, like right. it, it, it like came up with, the reason you've been given this is because of this filthy link. Yeah, yeah. Um, which... You know, we've learned our lesson. We must we must avoid smut at all costs in this podcast, and nothing but good, wholesome content. Hmm. So, obviously, the natural step next step is to talk about press associations. Indeed, indeed. This sounds dull as f*** down, I'm not going to lie to you. Well, it it does on the surface, but I think if we if we dive a little deeper we can we can find some some juicy some juicy things let me let me strip down to my speedos and cover myself in goose fat down yeah, we're going brilliant. in we're going we're going in um the article goes on to say institutions with akisha club limit their press conferences to the journalists of that club and membership rules for akisha clubs are restrictive this blocks access by domestic non-member media, such as magazines and smaller newspapers, and the foreign media, as well as freelance reporters, to the press conferences. While similar arrangements exist in other countries, the Japanese form of this type of organisation is seen as one of the most extreme, with journalists actively denying access to other journalists, which has led to the use of Japanese t- uh, of the Japanese term in other languages, often with a critical meaning. Well, I'd never heard of this before. No. Yeah, it does sound kind of nuts. Yeah, but, yeah. Um... You're just saying if you're not part of our club, you can't come in. You can't. You're not allowed to look at the news. The most interesting thing is if you go. Well, I'm not the most interesting. I haven't read the. I haven't consumed the entire article yet. Um, but the first subsection, uh, point one in the contents page, is history. Can you give a guess as to what the date might be? Given this, this it's it's more certainly more modern media, in the sense of Jap- right. in in sense of kind of like Japanese history, but. Have a guess. So when the first. when was the when was this club created? Um, well, the idea of such a club. Oh, okay. Um, right. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop some knowledge on you, Dan, because traditionally in Japan, mechanical type printing was not used until the uh, west. Basically, the west was allowed in 
and sort of Japan mm-hmm. opened up to the world, which I want to say was very late 19th century. And at that point, mechanical type printers came in and displaced the woodblock print, which was the traditional way of doing things. Sure. So I'm going to guess the idea of this was like 1896. The first date given is 1890. Oh, so close. Very fine. Um, And it goes on to say, in response to the ban imposed by the first imperial diet on reporting by newspaper reporters, a reporter from the, uh, oh, here we go, Jiji Shinpo newspaper called together the diet correspondents from the Tokyo newspapers to form a group of journalists visiting the diet, which in October merged with the newspaper companies across Japan, changing its name to the Associated Newspaper Journalists Club to become the first Kisha Club. So that's 1890. Um, and then it just begin. you get more kind of spin-offs, spin-offs as you go through the, the kind of 20th century and into the 21st. I have to. I had to just look up what you were saying by diet. Is it diet or is it diet? It could be diet. It's Japan's bicameral legislature, which of course means they have two camels. Yes. Um, as a lawyer, I'm sure you know. <laughs> yeah, well, you know this. naturally. Um, yeah. Okay. So this is the the the. It's formally responsible for selecting the prime ministers. It's got a very nice flag. I've got to say, Japan does flags very well. Yeah, it does. Like it really does. The prefectures all have really nice flags. The 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 national flag is great. I've yet to see a bad Japanese flag. Let's just put it like that. But what I thought was interesting was when I googled Diet, then to try and find out about you know japan Mm -hmm. if you if you put diet um into google and the autocomplete comes up for me at least and i don't know if it's gonna be the same for you but for me at least the top recommended thing is diet coke chicken diet coke japan and then diet supplement diet plan diet coke chicken i have diet 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 plan diet plan for weight loss diet coke diet pills diet doctor why have I got Diet Coke chicken? That's crazy. What, what, what? Diet Coke chicken. I'm slightly scared by this. Oh, I think it might be a. Uh, it's like a a meal as as part of a pinch of nom. It's like a weight weight watchers type club. Hang on, I'm going to put it in quotation marks. That's something for those of you who don't know. But perhaps this I'm like sound like a boomer here. But for those of you. Who don't know, there are various cool tricks you can do with Google to insist on certain things. Like if you put things in quotation marks, sorry, speech marks, not quotation marks, it will insist on the words being in that order. Also, if you put stuff in uh, brackets, it will only look for stuff of that file type. So if you if you put like brackets PDF, you'll only get PDF right. results. Don't know if that's common huh. knowledge or not, but there you go. I'm, that's, that's your PSA. I don't like the idea of Diet Cola chicken. Do you think, what, are you thinking of a chicken that tastes like Diet Coke or a Diet Coke that tastes like chicken? Which would be worse? Well, I know that you can, you can cook or like, it's, I guess it's kind of like brining, but you can do it with like, in America, roast ham, um, Mm. you can do in Coke, you can do like, or or you can make pulled pork using Coca-Cola as the, as the kind of liquid that you cook it in. Um, and I, huh. I, I can kind of see it working with with pork. Uh, okay, I, that was not where I thought you were going. I thought you were going to go on to talk about beer can chicken. Ah, uh. <laughs> have you have you have have you heard of beer can chicken before? I have. I don't quite know why you're calling that <laughs> saying that meat product in a Jamaican accent. Uh, beer can chicken. <laughs> yes, um, there we go. If, if you if you go onto Google Images, Dan, and yeah. just search for beer can chicken, it's a wonderful display of what 
looks. I mean, it depends how filthy your mind is. Oh, yes. Uh, the second thing I thought of was it looks like the chickens are giving birth to Budweiser cans. Yeah. Because like, uh, like, so, th- so for those of you who don't know what this is, you basically shove a, uh, you open a, a can of beer and then you shove it into the remnants of the chicken's ass and then you put it in the oven and the idea is the beer evaporates and permeates the, the flesh of the chicken with the taste of, of beer. I was just wondering if like, this if if diet coke chicken was the same thing but with diet coke how awful mm. would that taste yeah weird i suppose the benefit of doing a chicken like that is that it's not it browns on all sides there's no one side facing down um mm. but it's kind of like i mean if you roast a chicken you normally put i don't know half an orange or half a li- half a lemon in um in the cavity to kind of flavor it and steam it and things so it's not unheard of but i wouldn't i don't quite feel comfortable about beer going in it maybe it's maybe it's the future maybe i ought to try it uh, apparently it's, it's very popular well I, I, perhaps we're looking at this the wrong way maybe we should be making diet coke actually taste like a solid food i mean mm. if you could design a soda what like sorry i said soda very posh then if you could design a soda soda if you could design like a can of pop why why can i not say the like refer to cans of of carbonated drinks without sounding like Brian Sewell. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you could design a, a, a fizzy carbonated beverage, Dan, to taste like a solid meal, what would it be? Oh, I don't know. I'm. I've always been curious about if you made if you made a Bovril drink, um, <laughs> and then put it through a soda stream. <laughs> what What would that be like? Oh, God, I imagine it would be tw- really, really quite alarming. But what what if, I don't know, what if you could make a, a carbonated drink miraculously just taste like like bangers and mash? Like, <laughs> it's like, really? I'd be kind of into that because I've definitely got a savoury palate. Like, if I go to a restaurant, mm. I will most likely order a starter and a, and a main as a, rather than like a main and a dessert. I don't mind desserts, but I'm definitely, I definitely have more of a savoury tooth. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're not just wrong. You're ugly. Okay. Uh, no, like it, it's all about main. Well, really, it's all about start and main and dessert, Dan. You well, yeah, me. of course, of course. Um, but yeah, give me that sweet and sour. Uh, I, I, I definitely have a sweet palate. Also, Pixelgar had a girt me yesterday because I ate all of the kebab. Like we have this vegan kebab meat um, that we found. It's actually very good. Um, that, uh, but it was meant to be for two. I think it might have been meant for more than two people, if I'm honest, Dan. Uh, and I ate all of it. I had four kebabs yesterday for dinner. I'm just going to very briefly try and... I'm recording. I'm at home um, in Oxfordshire and there is a torrential downpour. And it's it's quite, Dan Moore on the road. It's quite loud and I'm, I'm, it's probably going to be picked up in my in, audio. Keep um, this in. I, I'm really enjoying this. It's very what ASMR. Can you hear it? I can't hear it at all on my Okay, end. it's probably going to... Well, we'll see. Fergus will probably hear it. Um, apologies. Can you, can, you, can you paint a picture, Dan? Where are you right now? The beer can, chicken. I'm currently sitting uh, in... Uh, it's, a, it's actually my brother's bedroom, which is toward the end of the house, and uh, there's a part of the room that's got like a nice little desk set up and things, so I can kind of spread out, uh, and I'm sitting under... There's kind of like skylights above me um, on, a, on a kind of 45-degree angle. And I'm immediately below one of the skylights and there is just rain, very, like really quite intense downpour above me. It's very atmospheric. It's lovely, but I don't know whether the listeners, well, well, actually, 
They probably will like it. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's kind of nice, isn't it? That rain kind of ASMR. Oh my vibe. god! I'm just looking at the um. I'm looking at the rainfall radar. Oh yeah. Which uh, I don't know why they didn't call it the rain dar, but yeah. there we go. Uh, and my god, that is a huge, whacking, great big uh, front that's passing over you right now. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Am I? Which direction is it going? Am I going to cop it later? Yes, it would appear that I am in fact going to cop the same rain later. Well. That's a point, though. Like, I wonder how many times has a single raindrop fallen on you? And what I mean by that is, how many times has that raindrop fallen on you, run off into the ocean, evaporated, formed a cloud, and then rained again? I'm sure that that, 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 that calculation is possible, probabilistically. Yeah. It's probably not interesting to anyone other than me, but, you know... <laughs> Because oh, I was going to say, oh, it's quite, it's very romantic, Dan. We're going to get rained on by the same cloud just at different, you know, places. And then yeah. what if it was the same raindrop? Um, I don't know. If anyone wants to try and calculate the probability of that, then do pop us an email, spongeelectricgmail.com. That would be, that genu- That really would genuinely be interesting. You know what isn't interesting, Dan? What? Apparently my latest video because jesus christ is tanking it really isn't <laughs> which is quite surprising because this is the one i did with spiffing brit for those of you who don't know i did a video it'll be a couple of days ago as uh, when this video sorry when this podcast comes out i did a video with uh, everyone's favorite exploit lord uh, spiffing brit uh, i think it's really good uh, i think that people should listen to it uh, uh, sorry and watch it because it's a video um but yeah i'm a little bit a little bit crushed by this one i'm not gonna lie to you there we go. I see. I, have, I don't think I've watched it yet. Well, well, that's obviously why it's failing, Dan. But I, but I will. I will, of course. You know, what, of course, would have stopped it from failing is if it was reported on by a Japanese press association. Exactly. Do you happen to know any? Uh, I, I mean, there are so many. There are so <laughs> many. Um, I'd love to try and find a list. Major. Here we go. Major Kisha clubs. We have the Kabuto Club. Oh, I see. So there's not just one. It's not like Reuters or something. There oh, are no. individual clubs. There's loads of them, and they're all quite kind of elite. So I guess this is the kind of Japanese journalistic equivalent of like private members clubs in in London. So it's like places like you know like the the, the Athenaeum and the Savage and the the Oxford and Cambridge Club. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the the East India and things uh the tokiwa club the kasumi club the ministry of land infrastructure and transportation kisha club the heavy industries research club oh i mean we've just got there's so many the bank of japan club um only some of these have hyperlinks and i guess that would kind of determine the size of them but they're pretty cool hmm you know, I do really like doing this show, Dan, because every week it is a it is a window into something that sometimes we do know about, like Poets Corner we'd already known about. But yes. like this, I don't think either of us knew anything about this. Absolutely not. And really, that's at the heart of the Wikicast. It's learning, Dan. <laughs> there's quite an inter- there's quite a funny bit here. So two further subsections um, are titled Advantages of Keisha Clubs and Disadvantages of Keisha Clubs. <laughs> the Advantages section is about a paragraph long, maybe... I don't know, six lines. The disadvantages is 
what looks like maybe 15 to 18 paragraphs. <laughs> oh, my God. You know who wrote that? A journalist who was not invited. Exactly. To one of the clubs. Uh, so disadvantages. The first paragraph begins, The Kisha clubs have been widely criticised, both in Japan and abroad, for encouraging an extreme type of access-driven journalism that undermines the quality of journalism in Japan by stifling criticism and turning reporters into mouthpieces for the institutions that they are spo- supposed to cover. In one representative criticism, Jonathan Watts, the former Tokyo bureau chief for The Guardian, said the Kisha clubs that... So I said that Kisha club clubs create a problem of watchdogs becoming lapdogs because the Kisha club system rewards self-censorship, fosters uniformity and stifles competition. Ollie. Well, I mean, it, I have to admit, like, just on the, the brief understanding we have from the Wikipedia article, mm. like, it doesn't seem like a good idea. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it, it does seem like, I mean, it's called the free press for a reason, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Um, although I, I challenge anyone to try and find a, an actual example of the free press at the moment. But anyway, this is not a Noam politics... Chomsky has this, entered the chat. Yeah, this is not a politics podcast. God, imagine if it was. What a mess. God, d- let's not even entertain that thought, no, Dave. No. In fact, let's entertain your choral piece of the week. And this will be my piece of the week. Drum roll, please. I was listening to uh, an Easter playlist the other day uh, because we have, we are rapidly approaching that glorious time, um, mm. and uh, you will you'll know this one. It's it's not kind of well, I don't want to be too harsh on it. It's it's not mind blowingly brilliant, but it's from uh, Ray Fawn Williams' Five Mystical Songs. Uh huh. And it's Easter. Uh, now, is this the one that's like Rise Up? I can't remember. Rise Heart, Thy Lord is Risen. Yeah, Rise Heart. The one that Peter Robinson used to do. Yes. Um, yes, it is that one. It's just really nice. I I love the mystical songs. It's fine. I, I agree with you. It's not amazingly mind-blowing, but it does the job. It gets in, celebrates Easter, gets out. Doesn't pick at the finger food. <laughs> one of the choral scholars um, uh, two years ago at Exeter Cathedral, um, JPT, uh, did this as his last service. Um, he 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 was the soloist for this, and it was really brilliant. Hmm. Um, and the the poem it set to is 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 lovely. the the first um, The first paragraph is: Rise, heart, thy Lord is risen. Sing His praise without delays. Who takes thee by the hand, that thou likewise with Him mayest rise. That as His death um, calcined thee to dust, His life may make thee gold and much more just. It's just really, like, it's very, very kind of rich text. It's lovely. Mm. I remember having to explain to, to people when I was doing the PhD to, like, some of the other people in the college at the time, uh, like, how the text can make such a difference. Because I don't think people... They, they didn't understand that there was differences between, like, the new um, international version of the Bible, for example, and the King James Bible. Mm. And like explaining how how because like for the, the example I gave was Handel's Messiah, mm. like the text from the King James Bible in that is just so wonderful compared yeah. to the what you read in scripture in a modern Bible, mm. and it really just adds so much. Like people, it's not just music; it is words and music. Yeah, and, and words words that are meant to be orated and heard rather than read. Right. Yes. The purpose of the King James James Bible was to be read to those who well 
couldn't read at the time. Yeah. So there you go. Five mystical songs. Easter. Rayform Williams. That is my choral piece of the week. Bish bash bosh. Well, Dan, we find ourselves in Critics' Corner, and we have a couple of things that I'd like to talk about. Sure. Uh, most of them actually relate to uh, last night. Ah, of course. I thought you were wonderful, darling. Yeah, no, um, thank you. So last night was the first time that we streamed uh, as the, what we call, what we started calling the back row, which is myself, uh, Dan, uh, Ed Dunn, and Hugo Wickman. Uh, so we all sang together at Exeter, and um, we were playing some Magicka, Magicka 2, actually. Yeah, which we haven't played for years. Yeah, I forgot that we'd actually played 2 at all. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, due to a quirk of the game, you can't rename a character once you've named it. So for the entire stream, I was called Ross Hornby, yeah. and you were Voldemort. I was, I was uh, indeed. Which is a very fine name, to be fair. Um, but um, we had to cut... We had to cut the stream uh, short uh, very unexpectedly because I'm delighted to say for the podcast uh, that Pixel Girl has accepted a job offer uh, in the West Country, in the sort of the Bristol Bath area. She was away doing interviews um, recently and she actually um, was offered another job and turned it down because it wasn't right for her and this school just really kind of really fit the bill. So... um, you know, she came in and was because it was unexpected. That's the thing we weren't expecting to hear um, yesterday, which is why I thought the streaming would be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, obviously, you know, as soon as you get told something like that, you go off and you you drink champagne and you know you spend time together. So sorry, sorry, we cut our time short together, Dan. But uh, also not sorry. Yeah, no, I think it's a, you know absolutely fantastic news. But I did say last night um, how wonderful that was, and it was nice to chat to Pixel Girl and, and actually kind of wish her well. But what fantastic news. And and heralding a move. Yes, that's the thing. We're going to be moving to uh, back to the West Country, in my case. Well, I mean, she lived in Exeter, obviously. That's where we met. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're now looking at homes in the Bristol Bath area. And um, I've got to say, I, I'm a big fan of, of house hunting, Dan. It's it's really, really fun. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> um, going on right move. Because I think the thing is, like, once you have a... Um, uh, a, a goal in mind it's like it's not you can't go on right move and like oh i wonder what's on right move today like you have mm. to be like we're looking for houses specifically in this town with this budget with this many bedrooms and then it's like a manageable number but yeah it turns out i'm a nosy bastard dan yeah um it's it's have you have you ever done this oh i do it all the time <laughs> really yeah all the time <laughs> Because we obviously looked for the house that we lived in together. We looked at a couple of properties prior yes. um, to settling on that one. And that was a fun experience because yeah, you, you get to nose around. Yeah, yeah. And you start kind of thinking about very, on the surface, unimportant, unexciting aspects of a house that when suddenly when you're thinking, hang on, I'm going to be living here, they're really mm. exciting. So I'm like, you know, there's an extra... Um, oh, there's a you know there's a there's a built-in wardrobe in the master bedroom. Ah, oh, what a what a joy! You know, really kind of <laughs> th- th- you're suddenly excited by the most menial of things. I mean, we've um, <laughs> the thing that I say we I have noticed a trend that can absolutely get in the sea, and that is, <laughs> I'm ashamed to say, Dan, that the world has far too many enormous f-ing clocks. Yeah. Every time yes. we go and look on, I mean, Right Move is our site. I used to be a Zoopla kind of guy, but I don't know why. But Pixel Girl has, has now moved me over to Right Move. Um, mm. uh, yeah, 
uh, every time Should we say is this the is this the time in the podcast to announce that uh, we're thrilled to say that this this episode is sponsored by by right move yeah. <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> I mean, how would you even do an integration? That's sorry, the business part of my brain has immediately kicked in. How would you even do an integration for, for right move? I've no idea. Make the right move with right move. I think I have seen them sponsor content though. I just don't. Maybe we maybe we should reach out when we move house. I mean, it would be a, it would be a nice little tidy, you know, put it in the back pocket. Get mm. get paid money to move house. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, right move. If you're if you're listening, Mister Right Move. I, I, I do genuinely mean that. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I have noticed that going through lots of different houses, there's this trend of people having clocks that are like three feet wide on their wall. And it's like, mm. why? What are you doing? Usually next to a big um, live, laugh, love. Laugh, love. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or it'd be like in the... It, it, it's like a memento mori. These, yeah. these things that you see in cathedrals and in Gothic architecture, uh, sorry, not Gothic, Victorian architecture, reminding you that death is coming. I, when I mm. see big clocks, that's just like, it's a way of saying, you're probably going to be late or your next thing is at this time. Mm. Like, it's it's quantifying time in a way that I find in- intensely stressful. <laughs> I don't like it. And I don't know why people insist on having them in all of these houses. Sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. Crazy. It's like the anthrop it's like a it's like a crap version of the Anthropocene reviewed. <laughs> I give giant yeah. clocks one star. Yeah. But yes, I just wanted to sort of in this section review the fact that uh, I'm gonna actually no, I I was going to review sort of the news and I was gonna review giant clocks, but I also just want to do give a critique of Pixel Girl. Um because she's wonderful. She is immensely talented and th- there's one! I'm looking at a house right now, there's an enormous fing clock. Yeah. Why? Why why do you need to know the time in like 4K? Madness. I uh, yeah, my my fiance is wonderful. I <laughs> uh, I adore her and I am very excited to be buying a house and starting a new life together. Um it, uh, funnily enough, it may end up being very close to where I I grew up. Um when I was when I was uh, about a wee ban. Wow. Um like I, I am kind of moving back to within like a couple of mile radius from where my parents live probably which is not where i thought it life would go lovely part of the world it is and that's the thing like i i feel i was i went for a walk this morning and i was thinking to myself about how i i think i always thought that moving back close to parents was something of a failure mm. because it's like you've not branched out and done your own thing and perhaps that is a little bit true but also like i've lived in um, Bath. I've lived in uh, Kentsham, which is near Bath. I've lived in Exeter. I've lived in Oxford. Um, I've visited all, every, so many parts of this country, mm. and I've never found anywhere that I've liked as much as sort of the Bristol Bath area. It's just, mm. it, it's really nice. Yeah, Bristol uh, in particular has like a, def- a a unique kind of feel to it, like a unique culture, um, mm. which I, I really rate. And I don't know. It certainly has. It certainly has a unique feel and culture at the moment. If we'll be, if we're, thinking, <laughs> if we're looking at what's been happening in the press recently, but I know I totally agree. I think that's. I think there's something incredibly timeless about the southwest. It's a. It's a slightly slower pace. Yeah. Um, of life, but not so slow as you know. I I, find, I I adore Cornwall, but I don't think I could live in Cornwall. Um, you know, having having the having the connections that you have in in that kind of you know, Devon, mm. Somerset area, you know. Um, it's just wonderful. 
so yeah, my, my my review of the West Country is five stars. My review of Pixel Girl is six stars on a five star scale. Brilliant. And um, uh, giant clocks can get in the bin. Do you want to critique anything, Dan? <laughs> I don't have anything. I don't have anything quite as poignant to review. Um, <laughs> but as part of my uh, my kind of like Apple subscription to various things, uh, I get Apple TV Plus. Uh huh. And I've seen trailers and things for Ted Lasso everywhere. Have you come across Ted Lasso? No. Is this some joke that I'm too Android to understand? It's uh, no. It's 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 a it's an Apple original. Um, and the premise is there's this chap called Ted, Ted Lasso, mm-hmm. um, and he is a US American football coach. Um, uh, oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, they've, he's had a bit of success, and then he goes, he comes over to the UK to manage um, an English like Premier League team that's that's not doing super well. Um, and it's just very easy watching. It's pretty. It's. I think it's brilliant. Actually, I really, really like it. I, I binge watched um, all of the first season over the course of about two days, and there's. Only, I think there's about nine, nine or ten episodes, um, but it's just really kind of nice, wholesome viewing, and uh, there's some very funny kind of cross cultural uh, kind of comparisons and observations about how Americans do things and how the British do things, and obviously there's such a you know that the English football culture is so enormous um mm. and and quite crude um and this guy is i think he's from somewhere like Kansas or some Texan kind of you know he's very he's quite a country bumpkin um right in the American sense, and he's just very friendly and chipper and optimistic, and obviously that kind of personality coming into uh, English Premier League you've got you, you'll have like a whole stadium of footballers chanting his his nickname becomes wanker um <laughs> and it's just it's really good it's really really good um I don't know whether I think the only way to watch it is Apple TV plus frustratingly but I urge people I think you can I think even if you don't have it you can watch the first episode as like a trial oh really ah okay I encourage you to do so because it I think it's brilliant I think it's really lovely it stars um Jason Sudeikis Yes, yeah. Um, who is just quite an endearing presence anyway. Uh, but it's just really good. And I think in the first week that it premiered... Um, yeah, here we go. The series premiered with the first three episodes on Apple TV Plus on August 14th, uh, 2020, and was renewed for a second season consisting of 12 episodes five days after its premiere. In October that same wow. year, the series was renewed for a third season. And the, the critical response has been kind of overwhelmingly positive. Because the other thing I've been recommended to watch on Apple TV is For All Mankind. Um, oh, yeah. Which is, like, I think it's basically like, what if the Soviets got to the moon first uh, mm-hmm. type. I think it, I'm not sure if it's alternative history, but Koyan on the Discord has been constantly badgering me to watch it. And apparently it's good. There's some good stuff. I mean, I watched, I, I really enjoyed, I don't know if you watched this. This is, it's quite an old series now. But there was The Long Way Round. Um, with Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman, and they possibly they, my favorite TV series of all time. It's brilliant, I, right? It's brilliant. It's so good. So they did the long way round, then they did the long way down, down uh, riding from yeah. John O'Groats to Cape Town. Um, so John O'Groats in Scotland, Cape Town, South Africa, and then they did an Apple original, which they which was the long way up, way up, and and they did uh, um, from the tip, the southern tip of South America to like Los Angeles or something. Um, but they did those on, they were on... Um, electric bikes. Electric Harley-Davidson's. I was able to watch that one. 
Um, I can't remember how we did that actually because it's an Apple TV. Maybe that was Pixel Girls. Does she? Yeah, does she have a? I'm gonna have to torture about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, we did watch that, uh, and that was that was great. Uh, also, I didn't realise that Ian McGregor's dating Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Oh, really? Who's the Ramona Flowers from Scott Pilgrim? Whoa. Yeah, that blew my mind. It's crazy. Um, I mean, it makes total sense. They're like two of the most beautiful human beings on the planet. Yeah. Um, and one's Obi Wan Kenobi. So. And because he's the, the the new Obi Wan Kenobi, um, film is not far away, is it really? Is it a film or is it a show? I thought it was a show. It might it might be a TV series. I mean, considering the success of the Mandalorian, I wouldn't be surprised if Disney goes full in on on that format. Yes, it's gonna be it's gonna be a series. The other thing, which actually I, I'd like to just interject here with, uh, is Pixel Girl and I devoured a season of something on Netflix. Mm. Um, I've spoken about this before. Um, Last Chance You. Uh, which uh, which was a series uh, all about these kids playing at Julia College level uh, in America, playing American football. And the idea is that they are incredibly talented kids who've had behavioural issues somewhere else or their grades weren't good enough to get access to a what's called a Division One college. So basically mm. like a really good university with a good football programme. And um, it follows them for a season of them trying to get playtime and trying to get picked up by agents and, you know, trying to make amends. And it's great TV. Start with season three. Um, season three and season four are good. Um, but, but they just did a, a new series, which is about basketball. So exactly the same format, but about basketball instead in um, East Los Angeles. And... It's one of the best seasons of TV we've ever watched. We mm. we got so into it. And I, we know nothing about basketball, but yeah. watching it, we were really enjoying watching the games and learning. Obviously, you can't pick up very much because it's not arguably the show. The show isn't really about basketball. It's about the kids. Um, but um, learning a little bit about the sport. And I don't know if I've ever been so invested in a team as I was in their final game in the series. Um Hard recommend. Re There's a really endearing episode where they take all of these kids who are from East LA, um, and they basically take them out into the mountains to like a it's like a, a mountain retreat in a cabin, and it's the most wholesome content of these kids from like really rough urban neighborhoods, um, trying to do puzzles together or going out on nature walks and like just having a really like having like dmcs mm. and it's just it's really it's really wholesome I, a hard hard recommend from me see i was what, what was i've been watching too i've got into i've been getting into narcos oh yes that's meant to be really good fantastic i can't believe it's taken me this long to watch it it's kind of like i i delayed watching um mad men for so long and then watched that and i, I think i've watched the entire like collection of seasons at least twice it's just brilliant um narcos i've been watching and The Expanse on Amazon Prime. Oh yeah, well I need to get really back into The Expanse. I'm only into. I've just gone into the second season. Right. So what I have been told is that the se I think it's the second season, perhaps going into the third season, it gets a bit weird, um, and basically it becomes less hard sci-fi. Hmm. If you know what I mean. Um, like there's more kind of fantastical elements in it but apparently uh, I think it's the end of the season three and going into season four it goes back to being very grounded very hard sci-fi which is what I like like season one is very you know um, 
interplanetary diplomacy, trying to avoid a war and like, oh, it's just, it's really grounded and I loved it. And then it just kind of lost its way. But apparently you need to stick out the next bit, Dan, where it goes a bit fantasy. Okay. And, you know, you might enjoy it. I don't know. But for me, it wasn't quite what I was after. Fair enough. Is that the end of the section? Top lad. So, as regular listeners will know, it's that time again where we move over to Patreon Corner, where we say an enormous thank you to those who support the podcast and make it all possible. Um, thank you so much uh, for your support. If if we didn't have uh, such generous souls as yourselves, uh, this podcast wouldn't exist. We wouldn't be able to pay our glorious uh, editor, new editor, one hundred souls. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> we wouldn't be able to. We wouldn't be able to ho- uh, host this podcast. Um, well, we've never have we actually ever thanked Podbean. No, we probably should do that. Thanks, Mister Podbean. Thanks, Mister Podbean, for what's for... that? You're afraid of getting wet. <laughs> <laughs> That's also my one of my favourite quotes from those films is when uh, Barbosa turns around. When girls don't want to see my Warhammer collection. <laughs> yeah. What's that? <laughs> I like the. I'm a little bit busy at the moment. Yeah. Oh. Uh, he's he's at, he's just chewing the scenery, isn't yeah, he? Yeah. Jeffrey uh, Rush. Uh, Jeffrey it. Rush. He he's just having a great time. I've uh, I've met Jeffrey Rush. Really? Yeah. He uh, he used to live round the corner from me in Australia, and uh, every now and then my drama class, because I did um, IB theatre as one of my electives, and. Hmm. Uh, uh, we, uh, we went to go and see a performance at the Victorian, I think it was the VCA, Victoria Centre of the Arts in Melbourne. And uh, mm. he was at one of the viewings. It was, I think we were going to see some, might have been Chekhov. Who wrote The Cherry Orchard? I think it was Chekhov. Uh, that sounds like a Dan question. I don't know. Cherry Orchard. Anton Chekhov. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Under Knowledge. the gun. Um, but yes. Patreon uh, corner. <laughs> what, a, what a segue! Um, you can you can support this podcast uh, if you would like by heading over to patreon.com forward slash the wikicast. Um, uh, and you have two options: you can either be a top dog, the clear and obvious uh, winner, or a top cat. And it is my great pleasure to thank our top dogs. So, without further ado, thank you to Ben Caples, Josh, oh, Josh, Josh. Uh, Shiaja, Henry the Seventh, King of England and of France, Lord of Ireland, uh, Aaron Curry, Augustin, Adrian Chan, Naf Laroch, Hasse Hansen, Aaron Jorgensen, Remnar, Lexi at front desk, Eve Sharples, Alistair Fortune, Peter Reed, Maggie, Colin J. Brown, Codzo, Ben McMurtry, Jay Wright, and Eric Bolliger. Thank you so much. I would like to thank the very kind souls who support us at patreon.com forward slash the wikicast and keep Jasmine uh, ensconced in treats. Um, uh, of course, I'm talking about the top cat patrons. I'd like to thank Elliot Conway, Oliver, Violet Hatch, Abu El Ella, The Physics Boy, Simon P, Jack Easton, Izzy Christie, Tom Withington, Nathy Iftikar, Christopher Betterton, Marcin Kozdas, Dame Valerie the Third, River, <laughs> River Ward, Layla Medina, Oliver Craigie, Will Jenis Humphreys, Rents Kirk, Oliver Burkhart, Omar Miranda, Cole Mansfield, Princess Andromeda, Chocker, Cat Bendant, Isabel Ostrowski, Matt McGuire, and Dan. Yul Han V. Thank you very much, guys. Did you like the non-looping music, Adam? I instructed Fergus to specifically include the non-looping version because (laughs) it pisses you off. Bless.
top lad. Oh yeah, here we go. Your content violated YouTube's community guidelines has been removed. Our team has reviewed your content and unfortunately we think it violates our sex and nudity policy. We've removed the following content from YouTube. But it hasn't been. It's still up. <laughs> what what the hell? So weird. But how, how is this broken so badly that you not only incorrectly flagged our video, but then said you'd delete it and then didn't? Bizarre. Come on, you come on, Murray. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> Thrilled to say we have another instalment uh, in the fine narrative experience provided by Benjamin Ashton. Smash, 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 Sean Connery there, just making a brief appearance. A book fell on my head. I can only blame my blame shelf. myself. Very good. <laughs> what's uh, what's his favourite sport to play at the weekend? Uh, only in only in the mornings, tennis. And, uh, yeah, tennis and uh, tennis. And at what time? Well, tennis. <laughs> Benjamin goes on to say, "Dear Messrs. Clark and Moore, firstly for Simon's benefit, I am from Yorkshire, but studying in Newcastle. If he ever tries that Geordie accent again, he will become a pers persona non grata." As for the next piece of my work, I wasn't sure how much is too much. I've gone for three pages, but a lot happens in this chapter. It might be worth reading it off the podcast, but prep for it. Um, but that isn't the podcast <laughs> way, so wing it at your own no, risk. <laughs> we're going in dry, Ben. Yeah. Um, uh, might give myself a hard uh, cap at two pages to keep it readable, but let me know. Hope you enjoy. Kind regards, Ben. Right. Chapter two, Simon. Oh God, this is a, there's a lot here. We, we haven't, we, fortunately, we haven't had other emails this week, so we can devote lots of time to this. But I would encourage people to please email in at spongeelectric.gmail.com. You could pick apart any number of things that we've said this episode, so please just vomit onto a keyboard and we'll read it out. Um, right, so... <clears throat> Chapter 2, Dan. The Hero. M41885. Should we do this as last time, by the way, so you read your lines and I'll read mine? Sure. Okay. The advance was a slow and ponderous thing. The entire regiment moved carefully through the matted foliage and vaulted massive roots that were ubiquitous in the hellscape they traversed. Simon and Dan had both drawn the short straw. They were at the front of the advance and would be the first to take contact. <coughs> Sorry. Cut that one out, focus. <laughs> <coughs> Is this new devilry? A Balrog. A demon of the ancient world. His foe is beyond any of Run! Sir, that's lovely. I knew I should have water instead of coke for this. Um, <clears throat> Both were nervous, and they checked frequently to see if they could see the other squads to their far right and far left. They heard other squads making contact elsewhere regularly, but saw nothing. The rain had stopped, mercifully, but now there was a stench. Sorry. Some men had taken to using rags to cover their faces, the very best they could muster under the circumstances, but it did them little good. The smell of swampy decomposition was pervasive. It was a sweet and sickly smell, born from the tons of plant matter that fell to the ground daily. Dan had not wanted to think what would happen to a human body if it were let here. It would take mere days to be wiped from the galaxy. He muttered a benediction to the Emperor under his breath to ease his mind. Did I do my voice or did I do a stupid voice for me I think, last time? I think you just did your voice. Ah, oh, okay. 
But you can do what you like. I mean, there are, this podcast has no rules, as we've established over years, so it's fine. Yeah, this is very true. I heard the commissar died. Sorry, Simon kept his voice low. <laughs> but even so, the exclamation in his voice was evident. Dan's head snapped sideways towards the Simon. I think that's a typo. What? <laughs> when? There was a sense of disbelief in his voice. That's rubbish, surely. Another rumour spread by the Munitorium staff with nothing better to do. A crocs fly, so they say. Bit him in his sleep. Managed to get past his fly netting. This is very zug-zug. Zug-zug. <laughs> they kept moving forwards as they spoke, weaving between small shrubs and trees. I didn't realise you were so talented with cloth, Daniel. Mm, thank you. The huge trees were usually avoided. Some dripped an alkaline sap which burnt the skin. His replacement has already arrived, meant for one of those noble regiments on the other continents. Got stuck with us instead. Where the hell did you hear this? Dan finally offered. Some of the regiment command staff are talking about it when I went to get our food this morning. Well, can't be any worse than the old one. May his soul rest at the right hand of the Emperor. Oh no, uh, this is in all caps, Dan. Um, uh, give me one second, I need to prepare for this. I'll be back in just two secs. One eternity later. Right. Okay. I, I have I have acquired an appropriate prop. Prop. Yeah. Golly, it's like less like theatre. We've gone from the, we've gone from the cherry orchard by Anton Chekhov to this. It's brilliant. <laughs> Shut up. Noise discipline. Sergeant Pelax had come up from behind them and scolded them with a high whisper. <laughs> we both need to say this line. Shall we? Uh, shall we do like it's the end of the podcast? Sure. Okay. Sorry, Sorry Sarge. Sarge. The two returned clearly, perfectly in synchronization. Yeah, brilliant. Get moving. We're nearly there. He's he he exclusively talks for a bullhorn, by the way. Yeah. Um, Sergeant Pelax was a bull of a man. His muscles honed from years of experience as a PDF infantry instructor. Set his experience as a PDF. Yeah. He's, he's a digital. Uh, he's a digital being. It see. It looks like you're trying to invade a planet. Yeah. As, a, as his experience as a word doc. Yeah. Um, uh, set against a square face that sported his signature pissed off look. It's probably because he's got a foghorn for a mouth. Mm -hmm. Whilst he was being a pain to the squad as a... What? Whilst he was a pain to the squad as a by-the-rules man. Ah, right, I get you. He was well respected. In this instance... <laughs> Sorry, can you say that <laughs> sentence once more? Because I don't think... I don't think it'll be... As a by-the-rules man. It doesn't... <laughs> Doesn't really work, does it? <laughs> uh, that's uh, right. Okay, let's keep keep all this in, Fergus. I think I think your intonation can do. Can, your your intonation can be uh, slightly more generous. <laughs> You're the acting coach that comes in. It's like, could you give a bit more, uh, a bit more feel to the line? Yeah, yeah. Um, right. Whilst he was a pain to the squad as a by the rules man, he was well respected. Perfect. In this instance, thank you, coach. Dan and Simon knew they had annoyed him, not only by the look on his face, but rather by the expectation that they had failed to meet. They set off to they set off forwards again. The Emperor had clearly been watching them as their advance had been without incidents. Pelax had been right. I told you so. Oh, there he is. Got me. Um, Pelax, Pelax? Uh, um, just, uh, do you, I think you also work in a fast food restaurant in your free time, is that right? Oh, right, sir. Hi, uh, yeah, um, I would, uh, I'd like the, uh, the large cheeseburger. Hold on. Oh. Uh, and a small side of, uh, chips. Oh, that's cool. 
uh, and and uh, and a large Coke. All right. Would you uh, could you repeat those back to me, please? So, uh, sorry, a large, a large hot dog and a small salmon. That'd be twenty dollars. Uh, would, sorry, I don't think you've got the. Try freeze the next one, please, sir. <laughs> oh, I love that this, so this much. This thing was the best investment I ever made. <laughs> Honestly, I'm so jealous. I would just sit in my house when I'm meant to be like studying law, just speaking to myself. The, the thing is, there are like a bunch of guys who are working on a building site not too far from the house, and I'm very inclined to just like open the window and be like, "Yeah, get back to work." <laughs> yeah. Shut the Fantastic. door really, like, really quickly. Oh, God, my neighbours love me. Right, uh, here we go. Uh, so where, where did we get to? I love that his first line was in a high whisper and yeah, talked about yeah. noise discipline. Yeah. Um, Pelax had been right. It had not been more than five minutes before they had reached the apparent end of the jungle. It bizarrely just kind of stopped. In the clearing ahead sat a city, a dirty, ruined one, but a city nonetheless charred stumps and scorched land extended outwards from the edge of the city to where they were now. Simon and Dan both hesitated, not quite sure what to do. The rest of the squad had kept only 20 metres or so behind, and it was not long before everyone was milling at the edge of the clearing. They burnt it. I didn't think the enemy had flamers, Simon asked. There was a sense of confusion in his question. A realisation hit him like a brick wall, that the enemy they had to fight was quite a lot more deadly than he had thought. No, this wasn't burnt with fire. <laughs> Fantastic! <laughs> he's just so dumb. He's absolutely. He's just. He's checked yeah. out. No, this wasn't burnt with fire. <laughs> Pilax was was kneeling and picking at what looked to be a small plant. It disintegrated and settled into a pile of ash. Acid. He murmured. <laughs> Did you put your name into the goblet of fire? Pilax asked <laughs> quietly. Yeah. This was done with acid. In the fu- <laughs> Sorry, this is the dumbest thing we've ever put on this podcast. Brilliant, I love it. I absolutely love it. In the far distance, the artillery that had kept both Simon and Dan awake the night before, woof, started again. Oh, God. Oh, no. Uh... Right, take cover and stand by for the enemy. You will fire on repetition once they reach 150 metres and then go to full auto within 50 metres. If you're going to pray, now is the time. Pelax is the most dumb official. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Pelax is going to go down in Wikicast history. This is... <laughs> your, readers, you are witnessing a, a, a truly historic moment. I'm looking at my waveform and it is f***ed. <laughs> it is so loud. Fergus, I apologise for this. I really hope it's not unlistenable. Uh, right. It's also on, like, a very low setting. I'm trying to do my best here. Uh, <clears throat> Simon and Dan took their place behind one of the giant roots. Both checked their breeches and magazines and then whispered their prayers to the Emperor. The artillery shells finally started to land on the city in front of them. A few, worryingly, fell short. But otherwise, the bombardment did its grisly work. It kicked up the hornet's nest. Oh, God. Oh, I knew this was coming. There was a heavy pregnant pause. Five seconds. Ten seconds. 15 seconds. It was not until 20 seconds had passed that they first heard the skittering. It was a gentle thing at first, utterly devoid of the sheer horror that created it, but it grew until it shook the very earth. Then the duo saw them. Each was a thunderous ma- Sorry, I'll do that again. Each was a thunderous maw of teeth 
Thunderous Ma. Thunderous Ma. Ma? Get in here, Ma! <laughs> Why have you got so many teeth, Ma? Um, each was a thunderous more of teeth. That's you. Chitin, malice, and more teeth. Like something from the realms of the ruinous powers. Both Simon and Dan murmured, Holy throne, under their breath as they sighted their rifles. The paces they made were inhuman, and they bounded across the open ground towards the edge of the jungle. Are you saying that they came bounding over? They came bounding... <laughs> I'm not putting that one through the, the, the foghorn. No. <laughs> uh, the regiment waited as ordered until the beasts at last made their way into the 150 metre mark. The fusillade began. At the sight of the massed las rounds, the duo felt their resolve strengthen. The bloody work of the day had begun. At first, the fire seemed to make little difference. The, beast kept, the beasts kept coming. However, after the first few salvos, they seemed to finally take the hint, as several seemingly died. But they kept coming. This was not an assault from soldiers. This was something far more feral, more insidious. None seemed to notice the dead. They came on regardless. They were close. Both Simon and Dan had switched to full alto with their rifles, and with the rest of their squad, they hosed the last few life forms. The final lucky one made it to just short of the jungle edge, and Pilak steadily went forward, his bayonet fixed, watching for any slight twitch. He violently lunged forwards and skewered it to be sure. Everyone sighed. <sighs> so, this is a Tyranid? I thought they'd be more dangerous, Simon asked quizzically. Dan clearly shared Simon's bemusement. Yeah, yeah. they don't even have guns. Oh, sorry. That's your oh, God. Come on. I'm an am it's amateur hour here. Bloody amateur hour here. Sorry, can I have my uh, can I have my Can I have my can I have my cue again, please? Uh, sorry. Line. Line. Dan clearly shared Simon's bemusement. Yeah. They don't even have guns or anything, just claws. There was clearly an air of satisfaction in the group, and the elation was evident. They say this is a splinter. Sorry, I've got to sound it. Can I get a bit more despondency from people? Yeah. Um. They say this is a splinter. It's weaker somehow, cut off from its kin. They called it Nostromo in the briefings, whatever that means. He's <laughs> <laughs> so done. I he's just Sergeant so done. Pilax. It's just brilliant. Imagining like a sergeant major figure who's just like, this is more than my f***ing job's worth. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is above my pay grade. Like, you chuckle f***s. Yeah. Pilax finally interrupted. Reload and make ready. They'll ask us to move in eventually. Simon and Dad both did. I definitely said Dad. Yeah, he did. Simon? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, we've had Ma. Come on, Pa. Um... Simon and Dan both did as ordered. That was easier than I thought. Our first combat. Dan, oh, oh for f sake! <laughs> <laughs> you got to read ahead, my friend. This is script 101. It's almost like we should have prepped. If only yeah. you warned us. <laughs> Smashton, why didn't you warn us about this? Line. Simon, Simon and Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, God. Uh, uh, uh. Simon and Dan both did as ordered. That was easier than I thought. Our first combat. Dan offered. Like the rest of the squad, he had a smile on his face. I'm not sure. I expected more. Whilst the squad congratulated itself in the distance, skittering started again. The elation vanished, and Pilax ordered them into their position again. Their f the fear returned. Never should have said anything, Dan, Simon grimaced. 
His words were forced through gritted. Sorry, let me do that again. <laughs> Never should have said anything, Darren. Simon grimaced. His words were forced through gritted teeth. I, I like the the stage directions are more like guidelines. Yeah. They're, they're like the pirate guidelines. <laughs> Parley. You best start believing in Warhammer fantasy stories, Simon. You're, You're in, in one. one. <laughs> um, this time, however, the Tyranids were different. Almost immediately, globs of bioacid started to pepper the jungle, and Simon could feel something change in the air. Something very dark, like something clawing at his brain, a scraping on the inside of his skull. The massed rifles fired again, the light blue beams trying to find their mark. This time it was more desperate. There were far more of the creatures, and they came as fast as before. One of the bioacid shots hit one of their number. He fell screaming in agony. <sighs> Grenades! Pilak screamed. <laughs> Simon and Dan complied, and both threw as best they could. They were both poor at throwing, but it didn't matter. The grenades had the desired effect. I like to think that, as as he says, as as Pilak says, grenades. There, it's like somebody on like a country walk remarking on like a murmuration of birds. <laughs> He's just kind of like, oh, grenades. grenades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, uh... As the next few fell at the front, something unexpected happened. The monsters started going around the squad, like a teardrop barrier was stopping them and forcing them away. This was unnerving. It wasn't apparent for what felt like an age. Eventually, a much larger thing stood up. It was quite a lot larger than the other smaller beasts, perhaps three times as big, and along with its massive claws, it also had some kind of cannon. It strode forwards on its powerful legs and completely disintegrated one of the squad's number with its cannon. Whilst the rest of the squad, including Simon and Dan, emptied their magazines as fast as they could at it. Emptied their bowels with fear. <laughs> Felax realised the peril and ran forward, his bayonet fixed. Once close, he launched himself forwards using his rifle as a spear. The impact was solid and a very loud audible crack was heard. But this just angered the creature and its giant claws skewered poor Pelax. Oh, God's sake. <laughs> Simon tore his eyes to look at Dan. Fear had overcome them both as they... Fear had overcome them both as they both fumbled their reloads and lines. Two things happened at this point. No, sorry. Two things happened at his point. Almost as if the Emperor himself was watching. As the squad panicked and began to rout, Pelax had his last laugh. <laughs> the grenade pin he was clutching fell to the ground, and the crack grenade he had been holding exploded, ripping large chunks of chitin from the body of the warrior. Then, an angel entered the fray. At least, she looked like an angel to Simon. Dan saw a commissar, the gleaming tip of her crackling power sword pointed at the foe in their midst, firing bolt arounds as she charged. As Pilak's broken form hit the ground, she started where he had finished, <laughs> slashing at its claws and firing bolts around from her pistol when she could. This dance of death went on for maybe 20 seconds until the commissar managed to plunge her sword into one of the wounds left by Pilax's grenade. The beast shuddered and screamed, then with a deluge of ichor and a mighty thump, died. Oh no. Yes. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> No, there has can extrane. Oh, Jesus. No, there has can extrane viva. She screamed 
as she wrenched her power sword from the carcass. With their leader gone, the rest of the Tyranid force seemed to lose their spirit, if they had a spirit to begin with. In the aftermath, Simon, Dan, and the rest of the squad sifted through the bodies, bayonetting them all. Is that, like, our friends as well? Yes. <laughs> Stab the friends just to make sure they're dead. Yeah. Until they managed to get a chance to speak to their saviour. Who are you, ma'am? The new commissar? Simon asked, looking her up and down. She did not seem the saviour he had envisioned in the middle of the battle. This is the 36th Exeterian Fusiliers! She asked. Can you tell it's a woman? <laughs> Dan and Simon nodded. I am Commissar Pixels, to be attached to the 4th Battalion. Your man was incredibly brave. She nodded in the direction of Pilax. Did you just squeak? No, that was my chair. <laughs> I thought it was you. He was incredibly brave. Ooh! <laughs> it was a bit of an ooh-woo. <laughs> Notice she's a Commissar Womissar. <laughs> He will certainly be at the right hand of the Emperor. He has served you all. I don't know why she has a Spanish accent. Yeah, Sorry. can you also in that voice say he's not the Messiah, he's a very naughty boy? He's a not the Messiah, he's a very naughty boy. Yeah, okay, brilliant. So that's the, uh, the the life of uh, Brienne. Yeah, um, Brienne of Tarth. Uh, la, la Biba de Brian. <laughs> yeah. um, Simon and Dan both nodded in agreement. Right, I need to find the 4th Battalion, she asked expectantly of the pair. I'm sorry, ma'am. You must be confused. This is the 4th Battalion, Dan answered. Well then, carry on, troopers. She strode away, leaving Simon and Dan with bemused looks on their faces. And that's the... And here ends the lesson. Yeah, well. That was a ride. The choir will now, the choir will now sing the Magnificat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, this is it's actually if, if the verger had that voice. The choir will now sing the Magnificat. <laughs> and our mouths shall show forth thy praise. No, oh, we found the secret to seraphic fire, Dan. Oh, really? <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, that or the, oh God, what, was it Wells Cathedral? Uh, the mo the readiest, weakest sounding cantor. It was like the the latent responses. Um, do you remember this? I think so. Yeah, I don't know whether I don't think it was Wells. I think it was. It was like, Oh Lord, open thou our lips. Yeah. Oh Lord, <laughs> very nasal. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm definitely going to get an angry knock on the door after this one. I think Benjamin absolutely nailed that. That chapter two was superb. Yeah, that kept everyone on the edge of their seat. They didn't know when we were going to mess up our lines next. <laughs> um, thank you, Smashton. That was quite... It's quite something to be on the receiving end of the Tyranids uh, of, of High Fleet Nostromo for once. Really? <laughs> but, well, with that, Dan, that's, um, that, that's, that's the end of the episode. So I have to ask you, what have we learned today? Today, Simon, we've learned about the Keisha Club. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. remember. Yeah. Uh, it was like a lifetime ago. <laughs> or uh, Kisha Kurabu Reporters Club, uh, the Japanese institution. With a few advantages and a truckload of disadvantages. Yes. We also spoke about uh, Ted Lasso. We had a choral piece of the week uh, in the form of Easter from Vaughan Williams' Five Mystical Songs. I reviewed my fiance and determined that she was six out of five and uh, incredibly proud of her for getting this new job and are excited yeah. to move. Uh, this summer. Brilliant. Which means we'll be closer together. It'll be easier to do little much collabs. Much easier. Amazing. Yeah, much, much easier. What fun. Um, I'm looking forward to that bit, I have to admit. 
and um, and also we finished off the episode with a, a unique. It was certainly a unique event in Wikicast history. I can tell when it started because I'm looking at my waveform. <laughs> <laughs> and there are just blocks in there. I am so sorry, listeners, if that was unlistenable. Well, that's all for this. Week. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're having a stroke. I don't know what's wrong with me today. I really don't. <laughs> it's, it's, honestly, it's genuinely incredible how, how much you can't speak today. It's brilliant. Uh, I, I, I live on my own, Dan, most of the time, you know? I... <laughs> it's like your tongue is, is like te- five or ten seconds ahead of your brain. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's not an unfair description of how I feel like I spend most of my time. I love it, man. It's so great. Go on, Without any further ado, that's all for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. Join the Discord, and if you'd like to see our faces, and quite possibly our abysmal Magicka plays, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. Your own fan fiction, congratulations to Pixel Girl and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. And we'll see you next time. I didn't think this episode had legs to begin with, but my God, did it grow them. Yeah, much like the Tyranids. It's <laughs> yes, such a noble episode. Multitudinous. <laughs>